This podcast is part of the Treksphere Network. To find more Star Trek-related content, visit treksphere.com. Dot com. Dot com. I wonder if you'd be allowed to steal that dot com. That'd be, uh, yes, you would. I don't know about the dot com part, <laughs> but uh, you'd be able to do the cord for sure. Like, I think you could do, if you were to totally replicate the entire thing sonically, like the same voices, the same chord, the same notes, everything, but the, the trick part is the dot com part. That's like the record, because you can't, it's just a chord. There's not even a melody. Right. 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 I wonder if you could do it in, like, could you say dot com, but being like dot com? Yeah, I think so. And they couldn't do anything about it. It's, I don't think they could do anything. I mean, they could sue you, but would they win? (laughs) Maybe not. Would they? I mean, that's the question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, could they do anything? Yes, they could sue you and they could sue you now, you know, but (laughs) could they, could they win? Is the, is the, uh, that's the, that's the question. Yeah. (laughs) As you know. This is the measure of an episode, where it is our continuing mission to explore what makes a Star Trek episode a proper, a genuine Star Trek episode, and not just a montage, a, a, a workout 80s montage from the 80s. Yeah, it was an hour-long episode, and those three minutes are like... Felt like most of it. Yeah, the only thing you can remember, yep. I'm Paul. And I'm Jonathan, and we do this with three criteria. The first one is, is there... What is it? Is there sci-fi... That is actually deeply connected into the plot. You could not have this episode without that sci-fi. Uh, second, is that sci-fi unique or novel? As in, does it subvert any stereotypes or cliches? And third, is there an ethical or moral dilemma that a character faces within the episode? I'm Jonathan. And I'm Paul. And this week, we watched Voyager Season 1, Episode 15, Learning Curve. Uh, strangely, the season closer, which was... A bit odd to me that they would close out on this. Uh, I don't know if they just ran out of time or money or what happened, but this was not what we have come to expect from our season closers. And it was not what they intended. There were actually four other episodes that were supposed to be in this first season. I didn't do enough research. It wasn't listed on any of the Star Trek sites. It was just like, this episode, this season was cut short, but they didn't say why. Um, and so I don't know what was happening in the entertainment field for the season to be forced to cut short, but... Um, okay. Season premiere was actually going to be the, the second season premiere was actually going to be the potential first season finale as possibly a cliffhanger. The thirty sevens was the episode. I mean, they could have done something because the ship was in peril for a little while, but um, but we'll get to that because the blurb is <laughs> I don't know why that's because while Voyager's mixed Starfleet Maquis crew seems to be working out, a few rogue Maquis are fighting the integration. Seems and to be working out. Uh, that's what they did. It's like the worst writing ever. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see what you did. Or what they did. Did <laughs> they, they? They they seem to be working out. <laughs> yeah, it's their training. <laughs> and that was the whole challenge. They got to get these other guys to work out. We're not working out <laughs> enough. Well, I mean, Chell was Chell was pretty pretty portly, so definitely could say that he wasn't working out. <laughs> Also, Sorry, Derek. I wonder what they had to do. He had to run, and I'm sure it was hot, and he was in covered in makeup. I'm sure that was not great for you know actually running on screen. Anyway, I don't want to get all the exciting stuff up. I want to front load all the exciting stuff. Let's start with the beginning. So I almost had a panic attack when the whole episode opens on Janeway in Victorian garb. I was thinking to myself, oh, God, please don't let this be one of the episodes where – it's part it's it, it actually takes place in a hall it doesn't place it take place on a holodeck it takes place actual with Janeway's ancestors 
Oh, okay. I was like, please don't let this be one of these. But it wasn't. It was a holodeck thing. I was very happy. And it was like an unrelated holodeck thing. Usually when they have these preloaded scenarios before the action actually starts, they're in some way related. They can come back to them in some way. That never happened. I mean, that didn't happen this time, actually. Like, it was very, it was, it was such this weird, it's almost like they had this tag that they film in case they need a, a beginning to an episode that's totally unrelated, but they can slip it into any episode they want. So, first off, what I, the note that I have is uh, Freud would have a field day with Janeway's character. The fact that she's a captain and she's playing this subservient teacher who has to acquiesce to these children. Like, <laughs> I was like, there's so much to read into that. <laughs> Um, but the, the second part to that is I, I genuinely was excited about the, the mystery, uh, cause it, it, in no way is it Trek related, but just the fact that, you know, mother was dead, but she was like, no, I just saw her. Like I spent time with her. Uh, I want to know what happened with that. Um, and <laughs> I want to know why Henry is such a dick, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she just doesn't understand that mother has passed away. <laughs> And he was like a good little actor. I was like, oh, right. nice. Give it to her. You tell her what's, yeah, what's yeah. right. Um, and so this is actually one of three that were filmed. Um, I think only two aired. But uh, it was it, it's her Mrs. Davenport hollow novel um, that one of the writers actually had a whole story in mind. And they only filmed three three starters with it. And hearing that, like reading that, that would have been – Actually, a really fun thing about Janeway in the holodeck, if they actually did keep her story going, like through the seven series, yeah, through the seven seasons, um, where whenever she is in there, we get a little bit more of the novel. And if you really wanted to, you could put those whole things together and have your own novel series of Janeway as Davenport and whatever was happening in there. That would be awesome. It would kind of like be that math net thing. Where it was right. literally five minutes of storyline that they just packed into every day. And it was just – it was so frustrating and because <laughs> you're just like, oh, I just want to know what happens. Where's the baseball for Christ's <laughs> right, sake? Right, right. <laughs> you know? But it like it kept me watching every time. And that's – what would be cool is they could – they could film this uh, orphaned from any of the – from any actual episode. Right. Because they could do – think about this opener. She's dressed in her Victorian garb. She has the scene with the two kids. She gets a call, right? And I guess the kids disappear because there's some problem. But that could be uh-huh. anything. She gets a call and she says, Janeway to Bridge, what's going on? And then they tell her. She doesn't have to interact with that information. It could just be what's endemic to whatever episode they're watching. Right. And then she's like, I'll be right there. You know what I mean? You don't need to have, when they're filming it, to have the information of the episode it's going to be put in. So they could film all of those in a row just like MathNet, <laughs> and drop them in where they're needed. And that would be great. Yeah, right. I would love it. Yeah. But does she – do they come back to this whole Victorian thing? Uh, in, in one uh, – in at least one other episode, but at most two. Because it would be interesting if they did pick up right where this left off. So it wasn't just sort of in the same storyline setting that she picked up when we picked up. Right. So this is, the, this is like the next time we see her – She's wondering why the kids just disappeared. <laughs> like that's part of the story, right? Right. Well, yeah, and I loved, I loved uh, that the the novel character saw his sister disappear. You know, and he's like, "What did you do to my sister?" And then disappeared. <laughs> that's the thing I'm doing to you. <laughs> oh, easiest caretaking job in the world. <laughs> Computer in program. <laughs> I love these Havo novellas. 
So, okay, then the, the plot starts, and they're having trouble with things on the ship. And it turns out that they're very interesting uh, gel packs, bio gel packs, which the somehow control the ship. Packs, yeah. yeah, and they are – there's something wrong with them, and they don't know what. And then that sort of – they were get forced in this B-plot where Tuvok and Dalby, yep. Crewman Dalby. Dalby, yeah. Uh, Dalby, and he's sort of the leader of this – Rogue, what do they call it? Rogue Maquis, who are fighting the integration. And I don't know. I was so bored by that B-plot with Tuvok. It just felt so... This is another fish-out-of-water 90s movie. The one that comes to mind is the Danny DeVito film Renaissance Man, where I think he's like this sort of out-there teacher who goes into a... I think it's like a, a kid's boot camp or a kid's army, maybe military school... And somehow inspires the uninspired children to read Shakespeare or something like that. And it just that just right. felt like I felt like there were a million movies like that that I've seen, whether on tape or in the theater. That's just what it felt like. There was nothing added to that. It was just I don't know how to get these kids to do to to be good. Did did anything inspire you from that particular storyline? From from that storyline, um, I mean, I've, I've got a couple notes about it. Like one of the things that I, that this episode made me realize is. That Tim Russ, I think one of the reasons why he always seems like a an angry Vulcan is because he's always scowling. Um, you know, there he doesn't. Yeah, you're right. He doesn't have a a neutral face in the same way that that Spock did, or even like a mildly disgusted face in the same way that T'Pol does. Um, like he he has a he has a scowl on his face. Like he he seems irritable. He seems cranky. You know, <laughs> like he. The only time that he ever takes it off, uh, uh, you know, uh, in this episode, he never took it off. But the only time that he takes it off that I can recall is when he actually changes his eyebrow expression, like when he raises an eyebrow. Yeah, his brow is kind of always furrowed. Yeah. And you don't know you don't know if he's thinking or if he's mad. Right. That was kind of what I noticed throughout the, the whole episode. Um, but I've, I've got a, a ton of notes through the whole thing. Like the, at the very beginning, um, I liked that Janeway was actually a compassionate captain like she listened to chakotay's suggestion and said see if you can make that work not you know whatever get it done or like she didn't come up with the idea yeah yeah she did feel she did feel softer although this is the first season right so right she's not as cranky as as in the later seasons where she's it's really starting to get on her nerves that she she has to be a captain (laughs) that she's the smartest person in the room (laughs) why can't other people be as smart as she is um, right. But yeah, and then she like I liked her reasoning for assigning Tuvok, but the, like this is my first note. He has no sympathy for the people who don't want to be in the school in the first place. Like, and they and as it was going on, I actually had that note. Like, is this the the point of the episode to to have Tuvok kind of realize that he needs to um, that he needs to soften? And yeah, they they pretty much spelled that out for us with Neelix later on where. Neelix is like this, you know, it doesn't bend. It's- you see this plastic flower? <laughs> it doesn't bend. But then if I take this dead flower, it totally snaps. <laughs> I feel like though that Tuvok was the wrong choice. The right choice was Chicote. Yeah. I mean, I understand that we needed to have this Tuvok moment, this character building moment, but clearly Tuvok, he was the commander of them when they were Maquis. Right. Right. So why wouldn't you have 
the highest level commander trying to rally the troops and get them on board with this whole Federation thing. Well, and that was the thing. Like, I, I thought that her argument for not using Chakotay was sound. You know, she's like, Tuvok has the Starfleet experience and they already know Chakotay. And so they're, they're going to listen to him anyway. We don't need them listening to Maquis. They need, they, we need them listening to Starfleet. If leadership is leading by example then everyone would see I have taken a second in command because I believe in this other person as captain. And yes, I'm normally a Maquis, but I I have faith in Captain Janeway, which I'll regret later. But right now, I have faith (laughs) in Captain Janeway, and you should too. Let's do this. If not, I'm going to punch you in the face. Right? If they didn't have that scene where he punches the guy in the face to to put him into line, then – Maybe it wouldn't have made a lot of sense, but the fact that he still has that power over them, then he's he's the right man for the job. And this isn't about well, we need to get them in. Like we needed, they needed to be in line fast because it was going to deteriorate. Deteriorate. Right. Yeah. I actually like Tim Russ. I do he's too. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I think you know there there are some episodes where he he nails it, and you know and I liked I liked his irritation in this episode. Like you know I think at the start it. It shouldn't have been – like, he shouldn't have been as scowly. But, again, like, I've, I kind of feel like that was a, a choice on Tim Russ's part. Um, but it definitely worked as the episode went on that, you know, he just was not getting these people to do what he wanted. You know, but the hard part to that was they they didn't want to be there. And I feel like he wasn't taking that into consideration. Like, everybody at Starfleet wants to be there. And that kind of goes into the idea, okay, so – are there any people on the ship who aren't in the Federation or normally who aren't in the Federation? Like, are there people who are just civilians like on next gen? They're just kind of walking around and oh. along for the ride. I don't think so. Cause it's a smaller I ship. I don't think right? so either. Yeah. 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 But if they didn't want to, like we talked about this before where it would have been an, an interesting plot line to have one of the command crew retire because they disagreed with Janeway or they didn't want to, they just didn't want to be on command anymore, but they would pull their weight. They would clean the decks and scrub the whatever, uh-huh. but they were no longer interested in, in being a part of it. Right. And so if they wanted to, could they just not participate in the command structure and just be scrubs? Basically? I wonder, yeah. maybe there's not enough people to do that on board. Your- right. I don't know, but I really dug the whole gel pack thing. I felt like I wish I wish the Tuvok thing was minimized a bit more and that it wasn't this 50-50 split, but that the gel pack thing was 80% of the episode. I felt like that was kind of fun to watch them figure it out. I, I kind of want a little bit more insight as to how these damn things work and when things go wrong and why you can't just sort of, as they said, switch over to an isolinear chip, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I feel like they always kind of just vaguely reference them and use them as sort of the MacGuffin as they did in this episode. Um, right. But they don't really get into it, I guess, because they don't know, <laughs> you know, uh, and why they can't replicate them. Why they can't make more. Well, because it's organic material. They've they've talked about that before. Um, right. Anyway. But they could make they couldn't grow it more of it. Right. Couldn't they grow more stuff that I don't know? Well, yeah. If If it's organic, then you could theoretically grow anything if you if you have some sort of DNA from whatever it is that's organic, right? You could, I mean, the doctor could do something science fiction-y, you know, maybe. As the series went on, it would have been nice, because there are a couple episodes with, like, Neelix losing his lungs and... It's a big problem. Right? It's a huge problem. I think think in Enterprise they cloned somebody, but I don't remember if they did that in Voyager. 
but anytime where they they figured out a way to grow a, a bioorganic, some kind of cellular structure, you know, it would have been neat if somebody was like, "Hey, couldn't we use this uh, this discovery to create new bioneural jetpacks or jetpacks, gel packs?" <laughs> <laughs> now there's an episode I would watch. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, this would have been that episode. Yeah, and just, just speaking about like growing and, and cloning and that kind of thing. The the doctor, the doctor's, he had like two scenes in the whole thing. But the the first scene, yeah, the first scene was great, um, where he's just being kind of maliciously obedient to Bolana. You know, he's like. Uh, I've been told I need to be more sensitive to my patient's needs. And so he doesn't want to talk about the, the patient's condition in front of the patient. <laughs> he's kind of being passive aggressive. Oh, totally. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. don't worry, my little friend. Um, <laughs> Would you like a lollipop? Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, and then the fact that Bolan is like, how long do you need? He's like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like we've never done this before. It was just a, a great, like... The fact that so many people have timelines, you know, uh, and he, he's just just straight up blunt. He's, you know, this has never been done before, so I have no idea how much time I need. I mean, I, it would have been fun to see him and Kess kind of trying to figure stuff out a little bit. Right. But yeah, I liked that. That seemed to be a lot more in line with Star Trek than the other stuff well, to me. Yeah, because immediately following is the uh, the montage that we talked about at the beginning. And <laughs> yeah. my, my note here... <laughs> Uh, I put, love the training montage in an episode. So important to show how much they're suffering. And then my my side note is, why do I feel like the show not tell on Voyager is always used in the most boring way possible? (laughs) So true. Like, instead of saying I was having breakfast, we have to watch them cook it and eat it. Like, you know, they're like, there's our, there's our show not tell guys. That's what, that's, that's good writing. It's like, Yeah, well, that sort of speaks to how they do Technobabble as well, that there was an exchange between Bolana and I think Captain Janeway. They were going back and forth about how to solve a problem. And it was just like they weren't yep. they weren't following any course of logic. They were just sort of saying things and they're like, you're right, that would work. OK, let's do that. And it was when we were at the end of the science fiction section of the show. Yep. And I I felt like. The science fiction to me in this show, the, the reason the, the checkbox of the, the first criteria has been checked for me is that the whole idea of the gel packs getting sick. Right. I felt like that was novel to yes. me and interesting. And I, I, while I wish they would have explored that a little bit more, it was there okay. for me. So I, I think that that was interesting. The whole thing with Tuvok, I couldn't give any more care about. I couldn't give a care about <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you couldn't give any more of a care? Wow, you must have cared about it yeah. a lot. Any more of a care. I was I was overflowing with care. <laughs> could not care anymore. <laughs> I could care less. <laughs> See? It works. <laughs> um, um, so yeah. speaking to the Technobabble, yeah, I do want to talk about that scene that you're talking about. But the, the Technobabble that I found was, like, I was... You must have loved it. Was the the grocery list between Bolana and Ensign Kim in the transporter room where they were listing off the inventory that they brought on on the ship, and it was all oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it was yeah, it was like 
wheat and milk and eggs, but it was Tabantha wheat and Gorok milk and... <laughs> oh, you remember all of those. <laughs> Verbatim, that's so good. Um, but yeah, like, so I guess... I guess to speak to your point, like, yeah, I, I will agree that the first one was there. Like, I don't, I guess the question is whether or not the second one was there. Because, like, the they techno-babbled the deus ex machina to end the, ish, end, end the episode. Like, You mean the whole idea of how to heat the whole ship up yeah. and everything? Yep. She literally, she literally says, Paris, get us to 80% of maximum somehow. <laughs> and that was the end of it. And yep. he does it. And he does it somehow. And yeah, it just was, you're right. It was a deus ex machina at this point where they're all sort of sweating. It's like, first of all, how hot do you have to get these things? I mean, I'm assuming they don't have to be boiling hot, right? No, I mean, but... They are matter, right? They're biological matter. You can't just boil them and they're like, well, there's no more virus. <laughs> there's no more cells either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, they, yeah, they had, to, they had to get it hot enough to, um, to destroy the virus. You know, they, they, had to, they had to give the ship a fever, which... Is is a very fun idea, you know, like the the fact that we're dealing with bioneural gel packs and they got sick, they they had a virus, which also, by the way, it seems kind of ridiculous that the doctor didn't think of using an antiviral uh, component, but, especially the, the, knowing he's a computer, <laughs> right? You would think a you would think a computer would be really good with viruses. I think he even <laughs> says something about that at some point. <laughs> What's the best way to get rid of a virus? Something that is antivirus. Well, yeah, I can't like think of anything. <laughs> he he does antibacterial stuff, which awesome, you know. And then, but then she's like, "Well, what about? Could there be a virus inside the bacteria?" And he's like, "Yes, there could." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good job, Doc. Yeah, maybe he's just a crap doctor in that first season, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. he. Yeah, he wasn't really expanding beyond his his subroutines yet. I guess not. But I mean, we have to give them credit though, because it is it is a novel thing that happened. The it, ship got sick and it needed to get better. Yeah, it is it is a novel thing. They just uh, and this this is the part that irritates me. Like they they handled it so piss poorly that like it it was such a fun idea that first off when they were writing the episode that was the original a plot. And then they started talking about the disruption in the Maquis because they wanted to have some insubordinate crewmen because that's never been seen on Star Trek and Starfleet before. And they loved that idea. And so they were like, well, what if we switch them? What if we make the insubordinate crewmen the A-plot and we make the sick ship the B-plot? And that's when they ran with it. And it it, it was not <laughs> – it was not a good choice. Like it – they they didn't spend enough time with the the sci-fi and the conflict to make it interesting. And it was a bit mawkish the way it sort of ended up that they're friends again because Tuvok wanted to kill himself to go rescue the kid. Right. It would have been better had Tuvok not said sometimes the be- best course of action is against is not what you would think or whatever he said. It would have been better to say I did it so you would like me. If there was some not, even if he doesn't say it to them but just says it to Janeway or to Chakotay, but to say, I did that because I took a risk to make them fall in the line and it worked. Right. You know, that would have been better. That would have been way more Tuvok to me than him getting all kind of soft. 
you know? Right, right. For the kid. Yeah. Instead of saying, uh, you know, so sometimes you need to bend the rules, like he should have said. Sometimes you need to manipulate people to get what you want. Yeah. <laughs> it is better to manipulate people. Yeah. <laughs> didn't feel very Tuvok. It didn't feel it did, the whole that whole section didn't feel very Star Trek. Right. I mean, can you name in TNG a similar moment where characters have to come together in that just cheesy kind of way? It's like, well, you're all right now in my book, Tuvok. You know, you saved one of my friends. You know, it just didn't, it just felt very, I don't know, immature. Right. No, I can't think of one off the top of my head. Uh, and Yeah, I can't either. Yeah. Um, you heard how, how mad Dolby was, right, when they were leaving. I mean, he, he straight up told Tuvok that he didn't give a Circassian fig about <laughs> Starfleet protocol. I'm so glad that you caught that. Because <laughs> I, I heard him say it and I was too lazy to go back. You know, it's like, oh, he said the thing. He did the thing where he puts the alien thing in front of the English thing. And I was like, oh, well, now that, you lost all credibility. Yeah, like that one is just the worst. Like that means that the phrase is, I don't give a fig, but not just any fig, a Circassian fig. Like, yeah, which is must be the, very low on the fig totem pole. Yeah, right. Is It must be worse because figs are like, they're good. You know, yeah. I happen to know. And I guess I, I've never met a fig I didn't like, and I guess a Circassian fig is one I wouldn't like, maybe. Well, Just sort of eh, tastes like an apple. Yeah, like I mean, so I, I don't give a fig. You know, it means that you you would give a fig if you cared, <laughs> or I would relinquish a fig to help remedy the problem. Right. Right. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, I I don't I don't know which way the fig would work. Like, is it better or worse than a regular fig? <laughs> It doesn't. Well, I think but a, this is my point. Like, it doesn't emphasize the his feelings anymore. Like, I am more confused by the fact that he had to specify that it's a Circassian fig. <laughs> I like the idea that, in some way, Tuvok recoils from the fact it's Circassian fig. It's like, whoa! Like his eyes widen a bit. It's like, <laughs> wow! I, I didn't know you felt that way. Right. <laughs> Everybody in the room stops what they're doing and turns their head. And they're like, Wait, did he say Circassian fig? Right. Did he just say Circassian? <laughs> There's a Cassian fig, Cassian, Um, and so they they open they open the doors, they they open the the shuttle bay doors, and they use a metal rod to hold it open. Where? where yeah, that didn't make any sense to me. Where did that metal rod come from? Or I, I never thought that that those things. I, I would think that on a spacefaring vessel, where you need to have bulkheads, where if something like a hole, giant hole gets in somewhere, that they need to be able to hold a, a pretty good seal, right? And so a couple of people would not be able to pry it open with a bar, which is what, how I guessed where the bar came from. We need a bar to pry this door open. And I, the idea that they would be, that it wouldn't just stay totally shut with the strength of, you know, a starship behind it, let's say. Right. That they could just keep it open. You know, so I assumed that the power was down, but you're probably right. They probably those doors were sealed to keep the toxic fume in. Right, like, there's a reason they were sealed. Yeah, like no, they they were dead. Like you needed, <laughs> you need a you needed a phaser rifle to. to you, get yeah, you need open. another starship to open those doors. You you needed a phaser to blast the pad next to it to open those doors. <laughs> yeah, well, then they come open them automatically. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But they didn't have one of those, so they tried a pry bar. They should have just used the steel bar on the pad. That would have opened it up. <laughs> nope, got to be a phaser. <laughs> Has to completely destroy the object which opens them, oh, and then it will open. Okay, yeah. okay. 
I did not know that. So did you like this episode? No, but I'm I'm trying to. I I, I feel like it's a proper Star Trek. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, just the 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 moral dilemma of how Tuvok is supposed to get these defiant crewmen to actually do what they're supposed to. Like that's absolutely the the moral and ethical dilemma there. And yeah, the ship being sick, like that's awesome, you know, cause it's, it's a genuine biological virus. It's not a computer virus. Yeah. Um, it was cool. Yeah. And you know, and the way it was resolved is, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it is deus ex machina, so that's that's kind of the part where I'm like, eh, I don't know. But resolution does not – it doesn't have to be resolved by science fiction. It just has to have it in it. Well, right. It has you to know? be in, in a unique and novel way, you know, and giving the, the ship a fever is is a unique and novel way of doing it. So, I mean, yes, it's just the, the explanation for how they did it was so – was so technobabble and it was brought yeah. in at the last minute. The just with with Star Trek, I feel like a Deus Ex Machina like automatically excludes it from being a proper Star Trek just because it's it's such a cop out. There's no there's no build up to it. Um, you know, cuz when you're when you use technobabble to solve the problem at the last minute with something that's never been presented before, like that's not Star Trek quality. You know, that's that's literally using your sci-fi as a crutch rather than an advantage. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Voyager is kind of bad about that. Right. But I mean, this is the first episode where I feel like it, aside from the swarm, you know, aside from the, like the first Voyager episode we watched, uh, this, this is the first episode that we've watched since where it, there, there was no solution in sight until they were like, wait a minute, can we do this impossible thing that we've never done before? Well, we've never done it, but we can try. Yeah. But there's so many, uh, shades of gray with that, that we would just, we would have to it would it would not be productive to have to have to start undoing those layers to see okay it's sort of deus ex machina and really the whole show is deus ex machina because none of this technology exists or science fiction <laughs> exists so in a way it's all that right but it's if it's something that they've they've presented before or they've presented before literally the last 10 minutes of the, the last 2 minutes of the episode then you know then they've they've set up that like it's Chekhov's gun, you know, that yes, they can use it because they presented it before. Yeah, but I, I do feel like then we're going to be excluding a lot of good ideas because the ending isn't satisfying. I mean, there are a lot of TNG episodes that just don't have a satisfying ending either. Yeah, I, I, I'm... I can't think of one, but I'm sure they exist. <laughs> right. I will reluctantly concede, but I feel like if we, cu- if we run across more episodes where they do have this deus ex machina, like to to resolve the issue with something that they've never done before i i feel like we need to to readdress it um, okay let's see how often it pops up right right and it, it may not you know like there's 800 episodes now so it may be like if there's if it's in eight i'm totally fine with one percent of the episodes you know and like half of those are actually genuine star trek episodes then you know that's half of a percent i'm okay with conceding um, right. which is probably how it's going to be but i just <laughs> But that's the thing. Like it was just presented so poorly that, yeah. Like we're we're sitting here. They didn't go through it. It wasn't a problem that they solved or were trying to solve over the course of some time. It was just a problem they solved immediately. Right. To get to the end of the episode. Right. Yeah. Because they had to do this Tuvok thing. Yeah. Which is too bad. Yeah. Which it kind of became clear that they now that you are saying all that that they truncated and combined a bunch of scenes to finish that uh, plot line that whatever a plot b plot. 
so they could make room for the Tuvok plot. Right. Yeah. Okay, so we're at a no, 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 no? I thought we said it was proper Star Trek. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yes, yes, no, no. Yeah, yes, yes, no, no. All right, should we see what we're watching? <laughs> Did, yes, let's see what we're watching next, Paul. Fusion! Episode 16 of Season 1 of Enterprise. And the blurb says... Enterprise is on its way to explore the giant arachnid nebula when it rendezvous with a Vulcan ship that has been in space for more than eight years. Oh, I thought you were going to say something like 800 years. Right. It was like eight centuries. Eight, yeah, eight decades. Yeah. Something, yeah. <laughs> something, not eight years. Eight like, oh, you mean. Weeks. <laughs> I've been Paul. I've been Jonathan. And this has been The Measure of an Episode. As 